as JP Mac, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. Hi, I am your host, JP Mac, and today we continue with our exploration that we began a couple weeks ago uh, before all the events in Israel took present. So, uh, getting back to our exploration of the appeal of leftism or why good people go left. And first, I will recap my thesis sentence, my thesis statement from my essay. There are several reasons why otherwise fine, decent people support leftist causes. Some have simply been brought up in left-leaning homes, thus that's all they know. Others are attracted to high-sounding principles such as equity and diversity. They conflate forced redistribution of wealth with voluntary charity. Leftism trades upon feeling much more than logic. Most casual adherents to leftism simply fail to take leftist principles to their logical conclusion or fail to see the connection between collectivist policies and the problems they cause. The power and attraction of leftism is that it allows people to feel good without them having to do good. It feels good if you believe you are giving to the poor, particularly if one does not concern oneself with where the money or goods come from. It feels like charity. True charitable giving feels good because it is a voluntary choice to give something to someone else who may need it a little more. The feeling is amplified when there is a direct connection between the gift and the giver. Voting for some scheme that redistributes wealth feels like charity on the surface to some. This is not true charity, it is a false simulacrum of it. Scratch the surface uh, just a little of such schemes and problems become apparent, like creating dependence and the delinking of concepts of having with earning. On the other end, this false charity tends to corrupt, and oftentimes the corruption is the point of those who control the redistribution. What does the corrupt official want in return? What price is to be paid either directly or indirectly by the recipient? Votes? Kickbacks to givers and their friends? A lot of federal and state dollars act as a boomerang returning to the giver though the giver took it from somebody else. Uh, they, for instance, might give free money to, for solar upgrades for homes. Who gets assigned the contract to the solar renovation work? Could it be the politician's own company or a company the politician just happened to purchase a lot of stock dirt cheap in? The homeowner who voted for the politician who's now rich from owning stock in a green energy company gets to feel good that they are fighting a far overblown threat of climate change. 
lost to the person who voted to, quote, fight climate change is the environmental damage and exploitation of foreign workers involved. The same politician that sells their constituents on the renewable energy invariable leaves out the details of where the lithium and other rare earth metals come from or who digs it out of the ground. They forget to mention all the birds and sea creatures that died for your clean energy. If they did, you might not feel so good about making your fellow taxpayer pay for such things. As it happens so often with the left, they count the money, the votes, but never the cost. That part is left to someone else. Collectivism and its derivative forms of communism, socialism, and fascism are historically and demonstrably evil. Collectivism is part and partial of leftism, the belief that the world runs on a binary oppressor versus oppressed system. Though leftism in its myriad forms has been responsible for the deaths of millions and the impoverishment of billions, it, nonetheless, it is nonetheless attractive to a large section of the population. It's been around for a long time and has secreted itself into every nook and cranny of our society. Its ubiquitousness makes it seem normal, even moral. It trades on deception, making bad things seem much like good things. It exploits the natural need of people to feel good about themselves and allows for feeling good without actually doing good. Leftists tend to see only the superficial benefits of what they do and rarely explore the second and third order of consequences to their policies. Corrupt politicians use leftist appeal to people's sense of altruism to achieve power. When the bill finally comes due for their reckless policies, they are long gone. It is the left's casual, well-meaning supporters who are among those left paying the price. They are among those left holding the bag without ever realizing they were asking for it the entire time. And so that concludes our two-part series on the appeal of leftism or why good people go left. And so far, for part one of the series, you'll have to go back a couple of episodes. Um, but if not, it's going to be posted online at libertyrelearn.com. So either way, uh, you'll get to be able to see the entire thing. So let's now break down and unpack a little bit about this portion of the essay um, where I, I talk about the power of leftism being uh, it allows people to feel good about themselves without actually having to do good. And you see this all the time in what we commonly call virtue signaling, you know, people putting signs in their lawn saying, hate has no home here, or putting up the um, you know, Ukrainian flag. Uh, it's funny how you don't see uh, too many um, Israel flags out there um, standing next to the Ukrainian flags, but you know, one can only hope. But 
Anyhow, uh, the appeal um, people want to feel good about themselves. That's like a natural, innate thing, and it's basically a good thing. But what leftism does is it exploits these altruist tendencies in human beings. And so people hear about this, um, you know, they might hear uh, the dangers of climate change. And of course, they're not going usually to delve into the studies to see if what they're hearing is actually true. They're just going to take the person's word for it. So like the UN Climate Change Commission says, you know, we only have X many years until we have irreparable harm to the environment and all of these things, people just take it at face value, even though um, you can hear all sorts of podcasts and uh, people online nowadays who are experts in the subject, not just people like me just commenting on it, but actual experts, um, they'll tell you that all a lot of this, if not all of the climate change alarmism, is just overblown and it's overhyped. And they'll tell you that, yeah, climate change exists, but it's always existed. And what's more is that actually in recent years, in you know, in the 20th century and 21st century, deaths from severe climate um, incidents uh, have actually gone down, you know, like hurricanes, tornadoes, and such. Um, and actually how fossil fuels, the use of fossil fuels... Uh, gives a cheap energy source to those, uh, particularly in third world countries and things like that. And so that's something that I would encourage everybody to not take my word for it, to research on yourself. Again, there's a lot of stuff out there about uh, climate change alarmism. Um, but the idea is like you citing that as an example, um, you have the congressperson, um, they know that they're, they've been driving, first of all, they, they set up, they set the table by creating this sense of impending doom or climate change alarmism, as I like to call it. And so they create the need and then they fill that need or they purport to fill that need with solutions. And of course, their solutions always uh, somehow include the redistribution of wealth. Um, but not to make this too much about climate change, but that's an example. And of course, corrupt politicians just happen to sell you on the need for climate change. And don't worry, we're going to pay a portion of your renovations for solar or, or we're going to force uh, people to who accept federal money to also go green and use green energy and things like that. What they don't tell you is that it's they and their buddies and their friends who benefit financially from this oftentimes. You know, they have stock in these companies or they maybe they even own some of these companies themselves. And so they, they forget to tell you about that part. And they also forget to tell you about the cost. Um, they give you all the benefits. I'm sure it sounds good, but they forget the, the cost about all the eagles and other birds being killed by the, the wind turbines and how the windmills, you know, building them out in the sea tends to harm the dolphins and the whales and, and things of that nature. They always conveniently forget to tell you that. And they forget to tell you 
about the human cost. They don't tell you about uh, the children, child labor in Africa or China or whatever, and the virtual, if not actual, slave labor being used in some of these countries. And so they, they forget to tell you about all the exploitation that goes into mining like the lithium and the other rare earth minerals that go into it. They forget to tell you about that. Because if they tell you about that, if they're honest about the cost, then you don't get to have that good feeling that when you vote for that person who's pushing for uh, fixing the climate, you know, you want to, people do it at a visceral level, um, particularly the, the, what I call the casual leftists are voting for these policies mainly on a visceral level because it feels good. They feel like they're doing something wrong. And the other part of it is that um, there's also a convenient scapegoat, and that is most of us on libertarian and or the conservative side who don't want all the government interference and they don't want to be told and they don't want their taxpayer money going to somebody else so that they can feel good that they've, you know, they bought a Tesla and now they, they're helping to save the environment. And, um, things of that nature. And so they don't, they don't talk about the cost. And if they ever do uh, get around to talking about the cost, well, they're saying, well, we're just taking it from the evil rich anyhow. And it isn't a shame that those evil rich people won't pay more so that you get to feel good about buying your Tesla. Right? Of course, anybody who's got money to buy a Tesla in the, in the beginning is, is doing pretty well. They're not really... Uh, poor or downtrodden, not at this point. Um, but the same things for, you know, incentivizing like cities and states and um, other entities that might take uh, federal or state money, forcing them to go green. And by green, they mean buying the goods and services that they and their friends benefit from. Because apparently none of them have any interest in any nuclear power plants because or else they would be probably pushing those because if you want to actually do something about carbon you would go nuclear but anyhow that's just an example of people not taking a look not bothering to take a look at the second and third order of consequences to their actions they th they all they see is uh, climate change bad, uh, clean energy um, causes less carbon emissions in their minds, and so uh, wind turbines and windmills and solar power is good, and that's all they know about it, and so they. They vote for the people who promise money for this, and they feel good about themselves. They feel like they're doing something good for the environment, when in actuality, you know, they are, like I said, supporting, in some cases, slave labor, or virtual slave labor, or child labor, um, or they're damaging the environment in itself just to save some other part of the environment. You know, they're killing the whales, to save um, some notional person who's not even yet born. Um, because, of course, they conveniently can't show you any media effects 
of what their policies entail, because you would see, you look and you say, well, nothing's happened. Everything's the same. And so they have to sell you on the fact that, no, it's for all future generations and things of that nature. And so they sell you on this, and they do this in other things too, you know, like the war on poverty. They, t they say, you know, they, they oversimplify it. They say, well, there's a group of people in this country who are doing without. They are poor. They are uh, chronically um, downtrodden or, or poor. And that may indeed be the case. I mean, there's always a degree of poverty, unfortunately, in virtually every society. So they say that there's a poverty. We're gonna, our solution is take money from people who have and give it to these people who need it. And that sounds good. And that sounds a lot like charity, right? Except the difference is real charity, actual charity, like I say, is always a voluntary thing. You give your money to someone that you believe needs it and you have a good idea of why they need it and what exactly they need. And of course, it is multiplied by the fact if you actually know that person or you have some way of knowing the direct effect of your charity has on people. Um, you know, that gives you a feel-good feeling that is genuine, okay? And, but the left doesn't differentiate between that voluntary giving and the forced giving of uh, redistribution and through taxes and you know, confiscation of wealth and things like that. They don't uh, differentiate that, and but they allow themselves the good feeling. They act, they act like they've given the money themselves, and they feel good about themselves. They feel good about supporting the politicians that have convinced them and stuff like that. And they, they don't look at the second and third, third order of consequences, like, you know, the war on poverty. Well, you know, some 50, 60 years after the war on poverty began under Johnson, well, guess what? That we have roughly the same rate of poverty we had before. So we've thrown all that money in it with to see very little benefit. But besides that, we've uh, established kind of almost a permanent um, or semi-permanent underclass of people of the poor, of the impoverished. And you perpetuate this cycle of poverty. You give them just enough to keep them alive and keep them voting for you, but you don't give them enough to allow them to advance. And so that creates a dependency. And so you have kind of like that moral hazard where you're now you have you're giving people this money that's not your money, it's someone else's money. You're giving it to people that are, uh, you think need it um, because they're going to give you their votes. And so you give it to them and that makes them dependent. Now, once they're, once they're dependent, then you've got them. Then they can do just about anything you want them to do. It's like then you put the these strings attached, right? You attach the strings to the money, and say, by the way, you have to do this, and by the way, you have to do that, and by the way, this money can only go to buying solar panels, and by the way, I know a guy, and so that's the the scam, and people are taking that up. By the way, and a lot of people it is because they're 
they're being exploited and they don't realize it. The leaders of the left, as opposed to like the casual leftists that I'm talking about, the casual leftists doesn't go into great detail. They just see the problem and see the proposed solution and it seems to make sense, you know, on a superficial level and they go with it. And so uh, that's that's what happens. And then they don't think about, um, you know, the cycle of poverty, the dependency, um, the fatherlessness, because now you're rewarding families that used to have two parents in the home. Now you're making it okay for them to have one parent, okay? And a lot, a lot of uh, families or one have one parent and one father in the home usually, or one mother and no father in the home uh, is usually the case. And you you have all the social ills that go with that, but they don't look at that. They don't look at the cycle of uh, poverty and then. And the people, you know, they don't know how to get out of it because they've never had to make a living. Now, of course, you know, some of them, I don't, um, you know, there's always, um, unfortunately, going to be someone who takes my words out of context. So just to put them in the, the proper context, um, there's plenty of good people, you know, taking um, welfare doesn't mean you're a bad person. Um, and some people, you know, lots of people end up needing welfare sometime in their life and hopefully they get out of it. But there is a, another portion of that, that now you have several generations on welfare because they've never been forced, you know, they don't have to, uh, do the things that other people do, like, graduate from high school, for instance, you know, if you graduate from high school and if you have a two parent family, if you have a two parent nuclear family in your household, then you are many times more likely to escape poverty than not. Um, that is basically the two main predictors is whether or not you have two family, uh, two parent, um, two parents in the home. And if you have a uh, high, at least the high school education. And there's others like um, for women, if they don't have uh, kids out of wedlock, um, that's another another thing. Um, just all these predictors of poverty. Um, but the left, the casual left, this never gets passed. You know, we've taken money from A and give it to B. And that feels good to them. And so that keeps the uh, cycle going. And so and it's important that we differentiate because I think there's, I think I mentioned this before, um, there's like three levels of, you know, the leftists. There's a true believer who actually believes in what they're saying. You know, these are kind of like the Greta Thunbergs, you know, they actually believe what they're saying because that's what they've been taught and it makes sense to them. And so they repeat it. And so they really believe it. And then there's other people who are just manipulating, usually manipulating those people um, who are on top or envision themselves being on top, you know, the elite or the elite of the elite. And they don't really care about your 
leftist ideology, really. All they know is that they can parlay that into making money, you know, making you buy uh, solar panels or windmills that you have no way of paying for. They don't care because they own the company and it's all taxpayer money coming to them. Um, or whatever, whatever it is. Um, so these are the people who are manipulating the true believers. And then, like, below the true believers are, like, the casual believers. These are the people who just habitually, you know, in America, they would vote Democrat because their parents vote Democrat or everybody in our office or everybody in their community seems to vote Democrat. So they vote Democrat. Seems normal to them. And, of course, they believe all the hype about Republicans and conservatives being bigoted or uh, greedy or whatever. They buy into that. So, and that's also a part of why good people go left is because they think that's where the good people are. And they think that everybody who would stand in their way, like anybody who would say, you know, maybe we shouldn't spend a trillion dollars uh, maybe we shouldn't uh, give uh, Ukraine uh, hundreds of millions of dollars and not even have them account for it. And so people, they see that and they think that they're, you're the enemy, you're the bad person because you're stopping them from doing what's obvious to them is a good thing. Because, again, they haven't considered the second and third order of consequences. Well, you know. If you give money to Ukraine, oh, now you got something going on Israel. Now do you give Israel just as much? Um, and now the pro the proposal, by the way, is to give Gaza, um, the home of Hamas, um, some part of the money. I don't know why. To me, giving money to Gaza, which is ruled by Hamas, um, let's not forget that is the ruling party of that part of Israel. And giving uh, Hamas money through Gaza, you know, because money is fungible, right? And, and who do you think is going to get that in the end? It's the people who, who are in charge, who is Hamas. And that's, to me, that's exactly like in World War II, you know, 1939, you're giving money to the Germans, not thinking it's going to go to Hitler or the Nazis. You know, it's such naivete. That it's unbelievable. But these people, because they've been taught this uh, oppressor-oppressed binary, this false notion of the, the oppressor-oppressed system, they believe in that and they've convinced themselves that the Palestinians are the oppressed and the Israelis are the oppressors. When really, actually, in actuality, it's actually the Hamas people who are oppressing the Palestinians, particularly the, the Palestinians who are just trying to, you know, go along to get along and don't really have any ideolo ideological um, dog in that hunt. Um, so, um, you know, the reality is that uh, it's not Israel, you know, it's not Israel who's digging up the pipes and making rockets out of it. You know, it's not Israel who's taking all the concrete that's meant for their building and their infrastructure and making it into, into terror tunnels, it's Hamas. It is the, the ruling power in Gaza, and also um, 
to also a degree in the West Bank territory. And so they don't think of that, and they've convinced themselves that, again, with this uh, false oppressor-oppressed dynamic applying to virtually everything, they don't, they don't realize who is the real oppressor, and, and maybe sometimes the people calling them oppressed are really not that oppressed. Um, and that's something, of course, you could debate you know, for a long time, particularly online if you have time. Um, but that is what happens. They, they honestly believe that, um, and it's kind of ironic, right? Because you have all these mainly nef um, mainly leftists, uh, you know, their fantasy is to punch a Nazi in the face. Well, apparently their, their problem isn't with Nazis or their problem with Nazis and isn't the fact that they hated Jews or they wanted to kill Jews just for being Jews. Apparently, it must be for some other reason. Like they supported uh, state rather than global collectivism is what really boils down to, but they don't want to admit it. So it, they, it leads them to this ironic state, which is giving them, um, rightfully so, a little bit of cognitive dis dissonance for those on the left, you know, they're seeing this, they've been taught, you know, this side's right, and this side's wrong, and, you know, oppressor, oppressed, and all the cultural Marxism uh, garbage that they've been taught throughout the years in their public schools and their, their expensive colleges and things like that. And they don't realize that they're being manipulated and they've been manipulated for quite some time now, for the better part of the century, basically for a hundred years now since the Marxist revolution took place in Eastern Europe. Uh, when the, the Soviets took over Russia back in the 1920s, going from today, um, this is all basically planned, a step-by-step -step plan. Some might call it a communist plot, but that would make me a conspiracy theorist, so we can't say that. But that's what it is. Um, I said, you you have these people, they, they have this, they have this awkward dilemma now where, you know, they've been taught that the fascists, that the Nazis were wrong and that the wrong and that the reason that they were wrong was the Holocaust. The main reason that they were wrong, that they're anti-Semitic, that they hated Jews. And now they're forced to deal with another group that hates Jews just for being Jews, the Hamas and their supporters in Palestine and other parts of the world, Hezbollah, um, I guess will be another one. Um, they're, they're now forced to make a choice, you know, is their problem really, um, with the anti-Semitism or is their problem something else? And is it okay, you know, if the Nazis killed Jews by the millions and these people, yeah, that they support, ideologically Hamas and the Palestinians, you know, that doesn't go, that's causing a lot of confusion for them. And, and some that's causing some people to wake up and say, Hey, wait a minute. Um, this isn't right. 
Um, you're telling me that the correct side, the right side of history, so to speak, is the one that favors Hamas and what they're doing. And no, there's no reconciling this, the, the two sides. And so there's a lot of people, you know, you hear actors in Hollywood, they're finally waking up to the fact that, hey, maybe there's a problem here. I am um, down with all of this uh, cultural Marxism and leftist thinking up until a point, until you kill people just because of their religion, that's where they draw the line. I would suggest that they probably should draw the line a little bit earlier, have better standards, but at least they have those standards. At least there's a line which they will not cross. But even then you have a lot of people, particularly on college campuses nowadays, they're actually protesting in favor of the people who murdered and raped and pillaged their way through Israel um, a couple weekends ago. And so those people, you really have to fear for their immortal souls because, I mean, I don't know what to tell them. Um, if they can't discern what happened in Israel recently as just complete and naked evil, but they don't understand evil. Or for some reason they like evil being evil, something like that. So that is the conundrum that people on the left face today. And isn't it funny how uh, really no one on the right, no one, no conservative um, has that problem. You know, no conservative fails to see the problem in Israel for what it is. You know, the murder and rape and taking hostage of innocent people, you know, the uh, violation, gross violations of land warfare by taking hostages just in and of itself, let alone killing civilians. And also, um, while well, we're on the subject, and see, this is why it's good to understand these things like at a more fundamental level, then when you see them play out in the real world, you kind of understand, you have a deeper understanding of what's happening. And you see, well, these people think they're doing good. These people on the left, these casual leftists, as I call them, they think they're doing good, but they don't understand the ramifications of some of the things they believe in. And they don't understand or they don't believe Hamas when they say um, from the river to the sea, meaning the entire land of Israel for the Palestinians, meaning you know, that doesn't leave any place for the Jews. So they don't understand that or they don't want to believe that even when they, they're basically telling you, they're basically reading Mein Kampf to you, their version of it. And it's like, you know, someone, you know, Hitler reading Mein Kampf to you and saying, no, no, you know, we're still going to give to these downtrodden Germans because look how we treated them in the Treaty of Versailles. So obviously they're the victims here. And, and of course, probably some Americans back in the 30s fell for that line, too. Um, I suspect not as many, although there's plenty. Um, but it's important to understand these things at, like, the basic level. And then you can, again, when you see them play out in real life, you know, you see, oh, wait, um, you know, we're supposed to be for windmills and renewable energy how come all these dolphins are winding up dead on the shores of New Jersey? Um, 
you know, that sort of thing. And so some people actually get to the point of questioning their ideology. And so for some, unfortunately, it takes a severe, like very stark, very naked uh, act of evil, such as what happened in Gaza and what continues to happen in Gaza and Israel today. Um, finally, it takes that and say, hey, wait, you know, I thought the whole thing about being a Nazi, against the Nazis, I thought that was just being against anti-Semitism. Now you're telling me it's something else. It's like, no, that's not what I signed up for. So again, um, I genuinely applaud those. Again, we have to, I believe in being charitable and, you know, okay, it took you that much to realize that at least some portion of your ideology was flawed and now you're going to break away from it, from a portion of it. Uh, maybe you might examine, re-examine your entire beliefs while you're uh, re-examining your beliefs um, with regards to the Jews and what the problem with the Nazis were in Holocaust. Maybe while you're doing that, you can re-examine some of your other beliefs too. Why, why you insist on forcing uh, renewable energy and uh, getting rid of fossil fuels. Um, you haven't really thought through the ramifications of this. Maybe this is an opportunity to you for you to reflect. And so, you know what? Uh, when I hear someone you know, some star or someone like that who's known for being on the left, um, waking up and saying, well, you know, this thing going on in Israel, that's not really cool. That's not for me. No, you have to applaud them. You know, you have to support them when they start um, making good and moral decisions. Because um, it's too easy, you know, you want to, you know, own the libs. And that shouldn't be your R goal. Our goal should be to inform, you know, the libs or the leftists and people who don't have really such a firm commitment to their leftist ideology. They think it's just good because they don't know any better. This is what they've always done. And so for those few people, those who are reachable, um, or those who have some little bit of clarity, moral clarity, um, then, you know, we applaud them and we support them. And so again, you know, don't, don't, you know, the object isn't to own the libs. The, the object is for as many people as possible to back more sane, more rational policies. And so let's kind of lot not forget that. And for any of those, any of you, who may be listening, may be thinking about, hey, maybe I'm not, you know, maybe this leftist, maybe being liberal isn't all it's cracked up to be. These people aren't who I thought they were. They don't rep represent some of the things I believe in. You know, I genuinely uh, applaud you, um, you know, because, you know, you can call it being red-pilled or whatever you want, but you know, if you come around to more moral philosophy, even if it's just on this one issue, you know, at least that's something. So, that's good. So, um, hopefully you'll continue that exploration and say, well, maybe these same people have been telling me this. And so, 
hopefully, um, you know, you have that little mustard seed inside you and it will grow into a giant, huge mustard, mustard bush. So I guess I'll wrap things up, um, <clears throat> wrap up the part about, um, the first part where I'm talking about why good people go left and also about what we're talking about now, this big story in the news, which of course is what's going on in Israel and people, how people are grappling with that situation, uh, on a moral level and hopefully re-examining some of their beliefs. As I say in my essay, um, you know, the left, it trades on deception, making bad things seem like good things. Um, for example, it makes redistribution of wealth, taking from one, one group, giving it to another, makes it seem like charity, when real charity, of course, consists of the voluntary giving of your goods and services and time and things like that for a cause that you understand and that you chose. And so there is that difference um, between actual charity and the false charity that the left um, presents. Um, you know, when you're using someone else's money, you are not giving it to that other person. That's not really what's happening. And so they, they use deception. And another example of that, a more stark example, um, would be recently you had heard report reports of a missile being fired, you know, according to Hamas. Um, you know, missile being fired by the Israelis that blew up a hospital, killed 500 people. Well, it turns out none of that was true. Turns out that it was a rocket. It was fired from uh, Hamas or one of the super. There, there another uh, group within them, within Palestine, uh, Islamic Jihad, I think it's called. And so it came from them, and the rocket failed. And you actually have footage of it, and you can see the rocket failing and then falling short, well short of its target, um, and hitting not the hospital, but the parking lot next to the hospital. So it's even the claims that A, it hit a hospital, and B, that it killed 500 people are highly dubious. But the credulous um, left-leaning media wants to believe that stuff, wants to present that story. They want to have create that moral equivalency. And so they, they thought this story was going to do it for them. So they simply repeated Hamas's lies about the incident. And now it's demonstrably false what happened. Um, again, it was their own rocket hitting their own people was not Israel. Um, Israel had nothing to do with it. There's absolutely no question about it. But the left, um, leftist media, mainstream media in their duplicity, um, because they've always, they've already chosen sides, right? They, they have their leftist beliefs, which, you know, they're talking about the oppressor versus oppressed binary, and they buy into that. And so they want to believe in that, and they want that, um, 
that verification of their beliefs, that justification. Um, but I don't know how they feel now that they must know that they've been duped. How, how do they feel? Hopefully maybe they're facing a moment of introspection and saying, Hey, maybe we shouldn't, uh, believe at first blush, everything that Hamas tells us. And also the other logical thing to maybe think about, uh, most people think about is like, if they lied to us about this, what else have they lied to us about? And maybe they should ask themselves that question too. And so are people who sympathize with um, Hamas and Palestinians. And again, you can, I don't care if you're for a one state or two state solution, um, you can sympathize if you want um, with the Palestinian people, but you have to understand that the people who rule them Hamas are evil. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. If you don't understand that, you don't understand the concept of good and evil. But, um, so, you know, you can think about that all you want. Oh, I don't care if you're personally, if, uh, you know, if you're for a two-state solution or one-state solution or um, whatever, you just have to understand that the one side is wrong. And one side is right, or at least more morally correct. I mean, you can argue the minutiae about, you know, should they be in the land and what land they should have and what they shouldn't have. But in, in the end, you know, the Israels weren't the ones that went from house to house uh, murdering innocent women and children, um, or men, women, and children, um, you know, going house to house, eliminating entire families and uh, scooping up people by the hundreds to use as human shields and as hostages in contravention to the laws of land warfare. So there you go. Um, you, you, know, you have a, an ideology that trades on A, the good intentions of people, their natural intentions towards altruism and trying to do the right thing and basically fooling them and confusing them into what the actual right thing is to the point where they are in extreme cases for people who are murdering people just for being the wrong religion. And they don't realize that, hey, um, isn't that what you hated? You say you hate the Nazi. Well, apparently you didn't hate the Nazis for that particular reason. It must have been something else. So... You, know, you have a lot of thinking out, you know, you have a lot of cognitive dissonance to work through. And you know what? I'm happy to help you in that endeavor if you're uh, intellectually and honest enough to admit that you need it. So there you go. Hopefully this adds some clarity to the situation. Hopefully there is more good news than bad news. Um, next week, and, but until then, I want to thank you for watching and or listening to the Liberty Relearn podcast, and following online at libertyrelearn.com, following Liberty Relearn on Facebook, and at LR Podcast on Getter, and also if you're following Liberty Relearned 
or maybe you know it at more as the uh, dystopic journal, whichever uh, you're following on um, Rumble, you know, the, on the video side, which I encourage everybody to check out, um, particularly this coming week. Next week is going to be the promised and much anticipated uh, Halloween special where we talk about the things that the left really are scared of, like another term of Trump being president. And maybe what uh, scares some of us on the right, mainly another term of Biden being president. I think anybody who likes the country as it was founded, as it was intended um, to be by our founders, what they, the vision they had for us, uh, anybody who loves that United States probably is a little bit scared about the prospects of a, another, another Biden presidency. So maybe we'll talk about that too as well. Talk about some of the things that scare us because it's Halloween and it's what you do on Halloween. So again, thank you for watching and listening. And until next time, stay healthy, happy, and free.